0: This week on Notorious Scoundrels podcast, doing real well. I gotta say, <laughs> oh boy, some wookie noises just for uh, just to get the the juices flowing on this whole subject.
1: Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Hello and welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast, where dashes and Orcomedius from Never Tell Me the Odds join endless from Yavin Base to talk about Star Wars Legion competitive play and improving your game. Today I think we're going to talk about Chewbacca and Wookiees cuz they came out this week. Um but before
0: that, how are you doing guys? Doing real well. I got to say. Oh boy. Some wookiee noises just for uh, just to get the the juices flowing on this whole subject. Yeah, I feel like Endless is really going to have a have a party today. Uh, yeah, I uh, I love Wookiees. I love Chewy. I've been using Chewie a lot and I have a lot of things to say about them. So we'll we'll get there momentarily.
2: Uh we're going to hit some viewer questions too, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah, I uh we had a couple come in uh over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh we, I think I don't remember what the last time we actually recorded a normal episode was, but um <clears throat> I think the two that we are tackling today uh are how to deal with uh Emperor Palpatine and um just kind of like general thoughts on the fd turret and turn zero and how to make it kind of
0: more effective so
2: and obviously by viewer questions i mean listener questions because you know this podcast you know.
0: not that we'd ever flirt with being on stream or anything so it would become viewer <laughs> questions or make youtube videos at any point in the future that they would become viewer questions Um, But yeah, they're, they're listener questions. We, we, we admit our error, no need to write a million comments about it. (laughs) Are you just preempting this right now? I think so. Okay. All right. Uh, So one other thing I did want to
1: talk about, uh, and I got it here on the show notes, but it kind of jogged my memory this week when uh, the CEO of fantasy flight stepped down, you know, organized, the organized play director stepped down uh, a few weeks back too. Um, and I just wanted to kind of pick your guy's brain generally on your thoughts about that. Sure. Um, um, I, yeah. I, what What do you think it means? Like, do you think of, there's like some directional changes happening here?
0: Like, Well, the, the Christian T Peters thing, that guy's the CEO of uh fantasy flight. The, the article says it was a planned departure. So I, I don't know if that's, if that's, you know, I have no comment. I don't know who he is and what he did. So I can't like give you any, any specifics, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I have some thoughts about organized play. Like I, I wish things were clearer. Um, I'm having a hard time following all the various formats and all the various changes and things aren't really clear to me. And I I do my reading and I sort of like finish an article and I'm like, what, what did I actually glean from this? So I guess maybe I might just be slow. I don't understand some of the format changes and I wish that they had a little bit more, um, uh, how to say it, I wish they're a little more aggressive with the release of information. I think everybody wishes that. But specifically for Legion, um, uh, we heard about rally point qualifiers and I don't think we've heard a word about it since the initial announcement about how organized play was going to happen. So I'm I'm super curious about those and I think, you know, again, we talked about this briefly on the holiday special, you know, this whole thing begins at home, you know, stores need champions, stores need the information because without the store, without the gathering place and the club setting, um, you don't really build that face-to-face community that is so vital to tabletop gaming. So I just wish it was clearer. that's all.
2: Yeah, and at the moment, you know just as far as the store thing is concerned it doesn't feel like they do much more than just make like the the organized play kits available to stores um it'd be nice to see a little more like proactive support of growing you know local games at stores and also more integration with their official world structure um like you mentioned rally point qualifiers obviously for anybody that can't make it to one of the big conventions it's been Certainly frustrating that you don't have like a a way to to get an invite um, and play in you know like a big FFG tournament. Um, so I think yeah, maybe we'll see some changes. Uh, you know, it's I think it's pure speculation as to whether this departure was in any way related to the performance of organized play, or if it was you know maybe he's just moving on to greener pastures. Um, but I guess we'll see. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a lot of like, there's actually been a lot of conversations on Facebook that I was a little bit nervous at at first because they felt like they could go down like some unhealthy paths. But I think there's a lot of good conversations centering around this, like specifically in the community. And I think people are talking about it in a healthy way. And uh, it all kind of comes down to, I, I think, local stores are maybe not being supported in the way that they need to be to support the game properly. And it's just kind of interesting that, uh, the head of organized play as well as the CEO of FFG is kind of leaving in the same few months, but we'll see how
2: it ends up going, I guess. Should we hit some of these, uh, listener questions?
1: Sure. Sure. So, uh, how do you deal with Palpatine? Uh, the listener here wanted to talk about specific units, specific tactics uh and i guess to maybe start we should probably talk about the things that palpatine does that are that you actually have to deal with right um he's pretty slow so that's generally not a huge issue but um you you need to be able to deal with given to your anger you need to be able to deal with and now you will die and you need to generally also be able to deal with a pretty aggressive unit of imperial royal guard um how do
0: you guys kind of take on those challenges? Well, the first thing that comes to mind to my mind is is do critical hits on him. A lot of folks will have Palpatine with esteemed leader or royal guard nearby, and guardian is restricted to hit results only, which is something people still forget about. Um, so, if you have the ability to generate critical hits against Palpatine fairly reliably, not a bad idea to just start putting crits into him and see if he fails his save. He does have a very strong save. He is immune to pierce. However, he's not invulnerable if you can put enough fire on him. And that's tough to do because people will hide their Palpatine behind line of sight blocking terrain or try to find a a relatively safe path or at least a path that's both safe and that has range to pull the strings because that's what Palp wants to do. He wants to pull the strings until he gets close enough to nuke you with his big lightning. So... Finding ways to engineer situations where you can get big critical hit attacks against him in the hope of him failing a save is super critical to dealing with the lightning because the less wounds he has up, the less lightning he'll be able to dish out when the time comes for him to do his big nuke. So uh, there was a a team league game, not a team league, no, it was Invader League where uh, Garn had a double aim, Veers, Max Firepower, Palpatine for three crits and Palpatine rolled three blanks. And that almost by itself swung the game hugely in Garn's favor.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a little, uh, a little bit of a lucky result, but even one wound there would have been significant insofar as, like you mentioned, um, wounds for Palpatine are like a resource, right? Like they power his, his nuke. So um, even if you're not necessarily aiming to kill him immediately or that's not realistic, um, every wound you do to him ultimately matters when he makes that late game. Uh, play with and now you will die so definitely
1: and one thing to note there is that like surge to hit characters or units are like really big in that i I know that um the the other aspect to it is the fact that the the crits go through um guardian also kind of negates cover in a way like you're kind of fishing for crits anyway so the cover that palpatine has as long as you can see him is kind of irrelevant to what you're trying to do for the most part
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you can never rely, quote unquote, on crits, but there are weapons like the Z6 where you're throwing lots of dice or, you know, an ATRT Rotary where you're surging to crit, where you have a a stronger likelihood of scoring crits. And even if you're not necessarily getting crits, obviously, any wounds that get siphoned off via Guardian are still potentially valuable, so.
0: Uh, Chewbacca with Hunter, not terrible. If Palpatine's already taken a wound. Like, you're going to get aim shots with surge crit with rerolls. I mean, that's not bad. He'll be immune to Pierce, but hey, you know, um, it's a way to get crits on him. You can also um, do something with Luke. You can do what I call touching the third rail. Um, You (laughs) can basically run run Luke into melee with Palpatine on the turn. He would otherwise now you will die to make sure that Palpatine only shoots a Pierce immune target that's only if he doesn't take force push that's only that's the only way that works yeah i was gonna say you got to be careful if he has push yeah but if he doesn't have push you can just run luke into melee with him and he'll have to zap luke and that's actually fine i think if luke is dodged it's survivable
2: it is but it all it also depends on the position of the royal guard um and how much health luke has because you gotta be aware of the royal guard
0: double tap with pull the strings um, right, it, it's a pretty fringe idea, but it it's there. Like in the abstract, it's not a good, it's not good. But as a last ditch thing, it's something you can try. I mean, the other thing is that Luke probably
1: puts a wound or two on, on Palp in that whole maneuver, right? So yep. it's it's yep. not like you know he probably only gets to attack three times as opposed to
0: four or five. You know, um, right. So, and I mean, even with the name token, it's survivable, is the point, as long as it's not like the full brunt of the lightning. But even if it was the full brunt of the lightning, I lost Luke, I didn't lose my entire army instead. Although, you, know, l- you just lost Luke your is best pretty piece, good. I just yeah. lost my best piece. So. <laughs> but, but still, but still, like, I'd rather lose a good piece than lose my whole army, you know, in, in terms of just objective grabbing and holding the point. You know, like, let's say I'm on intercept, right, and someone's maneuvering their palp into the middle am I going to lose four unit leaders or one, you know?
1: Totally. I, I, I think that that's like a really scary thing to do just generally. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Cause if you're doing that in, and, and it's effective, I think, I think you sort of have to do that as like one of the opening actions of the turn. And if you're doing that, they can just kind of like sit with palp completely shielded by gunfire for the rest of the turn. And, th- and then just and now you'll die at the end when
0: nobody can run away. I don't know. Yeah. It has to be very, it's a very like small window, but it's a thing.
2: Yeah. It's something to consider. Um, you know, hopefully you just avoid it in general. Um, the other thing with palp is he's like somewhat like Vader in that he exercises an extreme amount of control and destruction, but he does it over a relatively small area. Um, so it depends very much on turn zero and on your objective, but if you can set up a situation where you can essentially split, you know, and and force uh, Palp to want to be in multiple locations at once, and obviously not be able to do that, then you're also going to be in good shape. Indeed.
1: Yeah, as as somebody who's oh. played Palp and Vader pretty much exclusively, because I hate General viewers, uh, that's probably the most. Significantly frustrating tactic that you have to deal with is just people trying to make you split up your army, and and it's going to work. It's just how how the Palpatine or Vader player is able to handle it um, and allocate their forces correctly. I've found, Um, and sometimes they just split very poorly, and and you win.
2: Yeah, and I've you know on certain scenarios like intercept is a perfect example. It's it's going to be tougher to do that in a way that's meaningful because you know, you're setting up a situation where you have to fight over a specific area of the battlefield. Um, so if you're facing Palpatine, you would probably want to try and veto intercept if you can manage it.
0: Definitely. And also do recover because Palpatine is usually garbage at recover.
1: Meh. I, I don't, I don't feel that way. Frankly, I, I, maybe that's just because I've played a lot of Palpatine, uh, at this point but being able to just like pull the strings after like somebody like you you move cap the box in the middle and then pull the strings out is
0: is not uh, is is worth losing the attack yeah it's not terrible to get that to get that done but i'm just saying like compare i guess compared to other lists in a vacuum i mean still it's it's still good you know I mean, Palp's great at everything. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, He's just, <laughs> I, hes just, you know, he's, I mean, he's not like Luke. Luke is, Luke is quite literally Legion's Kwisatz Haderach. He does everything well. And um, anyway, the question was how to deal with Palpatine. And definitely what Orc is saying is correct. You, you want to avoid things that force you to go into a single area of the board um, where Palpa's is just waiting to shock all of you to death.
1: Yeah, uh, same. Go- like you don't want to keep positions with Palpatine on the table either.
0: Um, yep. Yep. You really don't. No,
2: not at all. You can you can just pitch him down and exhausts uh, that too.
0: <laughs> True. You got to make sure your board has an exhaust vent as a, uh, as a shaft to uh, throw him down. This is like, I.
1: This is one thing that really really gets me that Force Push like can't like throw people off ledges and stuff. It needs to be a thing. It seems like it's not that big a deal to even do.
2: Yeah, you just have it do have it be a clam you know, forced clamber roll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like no big deal. Not a not a big deal at all. It could even be a forced clamber roll for every height they drop. And I think it would still be fine.
0: Could even be a forced jump. Like force them to jump at speed one off something. Yeah.
2: I mean it you know, it, that strikes me as something that's a purely a balanced choice rather than a thematic one, because mechanically yeah. it doesn't seem like it would be very difficult to do.
0: Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, Space Wizards, go ahead, sorry. No, I, I just, like,
1: it doesn't even feel like that big of a balanced choice, honestly. Like, we, we played in a game where it was legal <laughs> to force push models off the board with with force push, but you couldn't do that. I, I don't know
2: that's true i mean that's obviously way better to be able to just delete units by force pushing them off the table
1: yeah i don't know in any case it's not a big deal this really doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about but um do we got anything to add to the palpatine conversation uh not
0: that i can think of at
1: the present okay so uh question number two was uh you know how how to how to make the f d turret on the rebel side effective uh clearly it's a stationary um, stationary unit and kind of how to how to manipulate turn zero in your favor to you know get get the most out of it. maybe we can talk about some upgrades that you can put on it
2: too um I use uh between one and two f d s I think, in every game in Invader Round Robin. Um, they certainly can work. Um, I ended up dropping them uh, for E-Lims just because th- they are quite vulnerable to you know, a turn zero mess up. In that if you don't have a high bid and you're either using your opponent's battle cards or you're in a position where you can't veto certain deployments and objectives, like y- you have a very strong chance of just straight up hanging... Those seventy plus points and doing very little with them, like you, you really you really have to choose objectives that um, you know force your opponent to deal with your FD instead of just ignoring it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean there's there's at least two facets I could think of with the FD. One is to make one is you know how do you make sure the FD doesn't suck? One is picking the right deployment, so advanced positions is recommended. Rapid Reinforcements, definitely recommended. Um, What else would you do? Maybe Battle Lines, definitely recommended. You control huge swaths of the board with your FD cannon on Battle Lines usually. As long as you have Line of Sight. And that's the other part of it, how to make sure it doesn't suck during turn zero. Um, Be aware when you place it that you kind of have a cone of influence and anything that blocks your vision creates a shadow where enemy units can hide. Uh, you have to kind of think of the FD as like a sun that's radiating in 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 all directions potentially, and and where is the where does the light bl- get blocked, and can your opponents hide in those shadows? Um, so that's like how to make it not suck during turn zero. There's a joke like in, in there somewhere. I'm not there's sure. There's a joke. Knows. There's a joke in there somewhere. I don't know. I'm not even going to bother. I'm just trying to answer the question. <laughs> um, so so yeah, uh, just be aware of that. I actually had a game recently at a tournament where. My opponent deployed his FD in a really good place that was really going to hold down, hold on to the center of the board, except that on the left side of this FD cannon was a piece of height two rock. And I literally directed all my army to hide in this shadow of this height two rock. And I put my evaporators in the shadow of this high height two rock as well. And that FD never bothered me, not for the entire game, because I, I forced the battle into a spot where it was blind to me. So uh.
1: I don't play Rebel at all, so I don't feel like I'm super educated to talk about the FD turret because I don't think I've ever actually played a game with it. However, how do you guys feel about when in the deployment process you should deploy the FD turret? Like, Do you guys find yourselves deploying it as like one of the first units you set up? Or do you kind of wait and see where the opponent's army is and then set them up?
0: You gotta say wait. Yeah, you definitely want to wait.
2: I mean, if it's a situation where it's like a super open map and you've got a objective in the center that is clearly going to be important and you want to drop it early or mid, um, that's probably fine because it's that's a situation where both you and your opponent know exactly where it's going. But um, yeah, you definitely want to try and wait and see where your opponent's army is going to end up before you drop it, if if possible.
1: Would you say that you would want to drop them before or after you deploy, like critical
0: units like Luke or ATRTs or Leia. Before, I think, if I had to give like an overall assessment, you sort of like, I think low value core units are the ones you deploy first, followed Mm by, you know, increasing value core units, followed by supports, followed by heroes. You know, heroes and snipers are close to dead last in terms of where you want to deploy those just so you can hide their location.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb. Um I will say like with Leia, you know, on the first turn, usually what I'm looking for with her deployment is um priority one, good bombardment targets, and then priority two being near units that she wants to support. Um so like if your opponent drops, you know, the first within the first four or five drops, he gives you like three highly desirable bombardment targets and you know where you're gonna put Leia anyway. Like it's it's not wrong to just drop her early. Um but yeah. I'm, with, I'm with, uh, with Endless, I think, generally on the on the order.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say that I have in some, certain situations where I know that Bombard is going to be a thing, I have just dropped snipers behind line of sight blocking terrain because I know that in the future this lane will become important and I don't want to expose my sniper early to anything, any sort of attack, so I just hide it completely. And then in the middle of the round, if I can do so safely, I'll run out and take the shot on the move, especially if I can find someone downfield in light cover or no cover so that my shots in the move, if I do manage to get that single hit, I have an increased chance of actually making it stick. So that's something that's a little diverting a little bit of sniper tactics, but it's good to like be willing to fully hide your snipers. And so, and so that being said, you deploy them early then. Cause it doesn't matter. Like they can't do anything. Their line of sight blocked. Any, anyway.
2: Yeah, just so going back like to the FD snipers are another thing you definitely want to be aware of. Um, if you can throw it behind something that, you know, obviously you can't deploy it out of line of sight because you you can't move it. So
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: you, yeah, you need to you need to put it probably in a place that it's going to also be in a position to be seen by your opponent's units. Um, if you can throw it behind a barricade or some other type of heavy cover, that does help quite a bit against snipers. Um, because they're more than likely going to only be doing one one damage to it at a time, um, but just sort of be aware that like you're you know you're probably not going to be able to hide it depending on your map setup, um, but you know barricades do provide a cover because it's a trooper, so
0: um, just bear that in mind. Yeah, just look for those heavy cover opportunities.
2: I mean, I I, I think I want to try it a little bit more, but. Um, my conclusion, basically, I think, with the FD, is just that, like, there are situations where it's a super efficient seventy-point artillery unit. Um, and if you're actually in a position where it can throw dice every turn at enemy units because of the objective and the table setup and where you put it, then you're in a great spot. But um, it's just, it's got a, a, uh, for me, it's got a too significant chance of being able to just hang those points entirely.
1: Yeah. I I mean, if, if you're able to effectively get in it, like put it in a position where it's effective and you've got like barrage generator and HQ uplink on it, it just seems
0: extremely powerful overall. So here's an idea for the turn zero thing. So like, let's say you've looked at your board and you you can kind of get a gist of where your opponent's units have to walk. And you can draw a line from that position, a range four line from that position to where you might deploy an FD cannon. Definitely put that FD cannon there, because then you'll know that even if it's not attacking, it's not wasted, because at least you're threatening where your opponent's units have to walk.
1: Also, it's gotten kind of a a ghost buff with the
0: rapid reinforcement change. Definitely. Um, I don't oh, know. Yeah. If, if you, I don't know if
1: that's enough, but.
0: Uh, it could be like it comes in turn one like that's amazing
2: yeah and you, you can skip drop your it. first turn you know you, you yeah could, and you're almost certain to drop it in a spot that is useful so yeah if, if
0: i skip one activation for for near perfect information about what i'll be able to shoot in the future rounds i think that's a that's a very good trade yeah yeah i think so too um so
1: do you guys think that uh you double down and take them in pairs or do you just take one
0: I'm on I'm on the single right now, if even one. I'm still in the zero to one range at the moment. Yeah, Ditto. I, I think, you know, I've heard people say, well, if you get two,
2: then they can't avoid one of them. But then I feel like you're paying 140 points for 140 or more points for one FD cannon, essentially.
0: You might as well take the 30-point tax and play Rotaries instead. That's fair. How do you guys feel about
1: like comboing them with like mines and stuff to try and control where people are going. Hmm. I, that's something I have not tried personally. I haven't even tried it with e and I think that those actually might be a little bit more effective at doing that. Uh, but trying to just like, con- like put in like a couple sab team teams kind of forward to try and control the lanes and make people either go through the mines or take FD turrets to the face yeah
0: that plugs into larger strategy really well, where it's like there are no good choices yeah i like I like situations like that, so I mean, yeah, it's worth a shot. I've never tried it personally
2: yeah you you just you really have to have a bid where you know you're gonna be blue because there are so many more defensive situations with blue player than there are with red,
1: yeah, i mean just just innately. You know, blue player wins ties, so the red player kind of has to bring the fight to them, especially on
0: like key positions, sabs. Yeah, Yeah, I play red constantly now, so sabotage is like my favorite thing because it lets me define where I have to go to get my two evaporators going. But you like, like largely largely speaking, you like to play red on Secure the Evaporators? I do, even if blue does try to block me.
2: I mean, the, the issue there, and um, Rick Stegach actually pointed this out to me when I was asking him about his sab list, is since blue wins ties and vaps usually stalemates, you know, such that you have 2-2 two, two, um, on each vap, like blue also wins ties of zero points killed. Yeah. So if, if you can set yourself up in a situation where you can throw down you know, your two wounds on your two vaporators and then just turtle up and your opponent has to come to you to even kill anything... That's obviously like a good situation to be blue. Oh,
0: oh yeah, I mean, I definitely have a mind to make the point situation unequal. Like, I don't <laughs> I mean, just turtle.
1: Yeah, I, that's actually literally what happened in my last Yavin based team league game. I uh, I was blue player. I took vaps. We were playing Kashyyyk, and I just threw my vaps in a place that was like he had to go through my entire army to get to them. And then I, and then I just put my entire army behind that big tree in the middle of the board, and I was like, nice. you're, you're gonna have to come. Mess around with Palpatine. Have fun with that. It palps clown car. How many (laughs) snow can I put behind
0: this tree? That's exactly what happened. And it just, it was, it was murder. Yeah. Yeah, I do the same thing. If there's ever like a giant bunker, I just play clown car and try to get as many things behind it as I can. It's like, Oh, you got to come to me. You got to take the risk. I got defender's advantage now. I, you know, I, I don't think we had,
1: um, plan on talking about defender's advantage but maybe that's a good thing to talk about in general, you know. Uh, I've been playing a lot of StarCraft lately so it's been on my brain. But you know, blue player equates to a lot like defender's advantage in a lot of ways in this game. That defender's advantage has in a game like StarCraft where you know, you're making your opponent come to you, which means that they have to be wasting actions to move their units <laughs> and and you can use those actions to like aim and stuff to just kind of like have higher efficiency um if you're blue player like you're forcing red player to do that to to like break into your territory
0: and try and kill your units um unfortunately you- i can't send two zealots to your base to kill your probe line and legion <laughs> can't do that no no dark templar drop right um, no no dt's yet yeah i mean i guess the pathfinders are probably the closest thing we have to a dark templar drop so far yeah but we'll see. <laughs>
2: Um, so here's my question. then, what is defender's advantage, like what situations and how do you set those up? Yeah,
1: so I mean, I think the most obvious um one that existed but maybe doesn't exist anymore, at least to the same extent is key positions. If you're a blue player and key positions, you are setting up you know pretty much the battle wherever you want it to be, and you're saying, Hey, red player, you have to come take like. I'm up by 1 point at the beginning of the game. You have to take a point away
0: from me. So you have to come to me and kill my stuff. Yeah, uh, old KP was where it became the most abusive because it was sort of like you must take the risk. I don't have to ta- I don't have to risk anything and I'll just win. Yeah. So
2: what does that look like now in practical terms though with, K- with KP? I mean, do you obviously it's important if you're, if you know that you're going to be blue when you're picking table side to like know which objective or which terrain piece is going to be the middle objective. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it's not dead center, then maybe you can pick a table edge where it's a little bit closer to you than it is to your opponent. Yeah, I agree with that. I think
1: I also think that the probably the bigger kind of defenders advantage scenario now is sabotage the moisture evaporators. Um, it uh, sabotage of moisture evaporators barring like unusual circumstances right now is essentially red player has to kill a unit in order to win the game like that's that's like the starting scenario condition like red player has to draw first blood if they don't they just are losing
2: yeah i would argue that sabotage is is now the most
0: uh the easiest objective to set up a defensive situation for blue. Recover the supplies when Boba Fett runs forward, grabs the box, and jumps back behind the line of sight, blocking terrain and two activations. That's also really good. It's kind of like LOL. I only have six bottles left on the board, but I won because I have three boxes, LOL. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest. That's just like, uh, generally speaking, a
1: like really unfair scenario. <laughs> um, I have yet to see somebody deal with it in a way that is viable when it's executed properly
2: Yeah, and I think my objection this gets a little bit off topic but my objection to recover in general is that because of how you're allowed to place the boxes the only box that usually matters in a competitive game is the middle box like yeah. you might might as well not even have the other boxes on the table
0: yeah
1: that I, is true s- snipers like sort of change that a little bit um, if, if you can get some like focused fire in some like y- y- uh, some things have to go your way f- to make that
2: work but generally i agree with you
0: yeah so that's defenders advantage in a nutshell uh just creating situations where your opponent has to take the risk and you don't um also i mean just an anecdote from
2: um one of my recent Yavin based Team League games, like if you're if you become in a situation where you're up on points and you think objectives are going to be tied, don't be afraid to like just essentially withdraw behind some kind of big piece of terrain and take dodges and standbys. You know, I mean, I, like I was in a situation in my first game where I was running that barbecue list against um triple bikes and uh i i was there was like a time during the game where i had killed all three of his bikes and he had only killed two of my rts and i was up on points and really what i should have done is it was on that hoth map you know with that big cliff thing in the center i should have just withdrawn all my stuff behind that cliff and just waited um but instead i i tried to go for the breakthrough and it ultimately ended up biting me
1: yeah i i think that that's a scenario where where people really need to identify when like when that is happening because most of the times times you're able to set that up you've kind of already won the game at
2: that point
0: yeah Yeah, i'd largely agree with that assessment yeah go ahead sorry org
2: oh well i guess i guess the important thing is like knowing that knowing when that happens right like in the situation i was in i didn't recognize soon enough that if i just took that defensive action that the game was mine to lose um it wasn't until after i had moved my rt forward to try you know his breakthrough i was trying to get in zone and it wasn't until after i'd moved it forward that i was like oh crap you know i should have just withdrawn behind this thing even though it's boring um you know and won zero zero on points
1: and uh, it, it frankly if you're up on points and you're up on victory points and and you can kind of take a position that is defensively kind of completely out of line of sight of your opponent and you have to like make them burn a turn or two like moving towards you to do something about it that's a lot of wasted actions where they like if if you left your guys out in the open and just like exchanged fire you're you're leaving it up to variance as opposed to
0: oh oh yeah how did i how did i miss this gosh so yeah, one great example of defender's advantage is when is when stormtroopers have range four, and you're advancing to get on a point, and they are sitting back and aim shooting you till kingdom come. That's defender's advantage right there. Also,
2: yeah, certainly be aware if you have as stormtroopers tend to with the DLTs, even if you have like a slight range advantage, like a DLT is only two dice, right? But it's two red dice, which means. You're going to get some meaningful hits against stuff that's trying to advance, when not in cover.
0: Um, yeah, you have a seven of eight chance to get the to get the hit, and it's like what is like probably in the high nineties for double hit after aiming. I'm going to guess.
2: Uh, after aiming, yeah, it's like ninety-seven. Oh gosh. Now, obviously, you're you're not going to do much more than throw a suppression down if they're in heavy cover, but that's still useful.
0: Yeah, yeah. but not every board had heavy cover back in the old days. <laughs> Yeah, back in Nova, Nova and Gen Con. Yeah. Yep. So all those hits were exceedingly meaningful. Like, you could easily get a entire squad torn apart by three aimed DLT shots if you're a rebel player. Yeah, I mean, like a full full
1: Imperial Army with, like, four to six DLTs and three snipers is, is no joke when... We're talking about having to advance into into the teeth of it, frankly.
0: Yeah. Boards need terrain is basically <laughs> the moral of that story. Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh that's that that opens some old wounds. I can shield the my hackle's rising a little bit. Please go. Tell us how bad <laughs> no, no, Rebels are. No, no. I'm, we have, we I'm have ready for to it. We, My body is we we ready. Have th- <laughs> we have better things to talk about than how good the Imps are and how if you only lose, it's an unforced error and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. So um,
1: in that vein, I think that you guys have some new toys to play with, huh? Yeah, they're called Chewbacca and Wookiees. They're, they're probably pretty good, right? They're there
0: to combat yeah, the Empire yeah. and everything they are. Hey Wookiees are pretty dope so Chewie. I like them a lot. I've been playing Chewbacca a lot lately. He's so fun especially with Luke Leia. A lot of folks rate that like the weakest combo cuz the command cards don't really stack up that well. But man, like Chewie's so good. So and people really rated him low. I was going to say
1: hot, hot take real quick. How do you guys feel generally about how much people were bashing the the god that is
0: Chewbacca? and shut shut your mouth is what i have to say <laughs> to those people <laughs> yeah i actually I'll never, think, I'll never take chewbacca sorry go ahead god i'm so salty <laughs> <laughs>
2: um like when, it, when i first saw that his point cost was 110 my uh gut reaction is that that felt like too much to me but having played with him now and faced list building decisions whether it's like do i take him or wookiees i actually think it's it's pretty close um because, you know, Wookiee's for essentially 114 points, which is the Bowcaster plus Tenacity plus the base unit. You know, Chewbacca's the same cost if you give him Tenacity. And, like, it's, it's a legitimate question for most lists. Do I want Wookiee's here or do I want Chewbacca? And I think that means that he's, in my opinion, he's costed appropriately. Because yeah. I, I don't think that's a given that you take one over the other necessarily, depending on what build you're running.
1: I feel like Chewbacca is built more as a... Jack of all trades, like he can do a lot of different things, whereas the Wookies really have like a pretty firm purpose in the list.
0: Yeah, I could see that being true. Like, you take the Wookies as a as a melee threat, like that's their biggest advantage over Chewy. I think is the fact that they are actually threatening in melee. They have a very good amount of wounds. They have the red rally, which is massive as well, meaning they could still get the light cover from suppression. And use it when they take a lot of wounds too. Sorry, that's the enraged keyword as well. They don't have enrage. Enrage sometimes is a drawback on Chewy because that that melee attack for how strong it is with tenacity five red with surge crit. You still have situations like I had um, earlier on on stream where I rolled five hits with Chewy and my Empire opponent rolled five blocks and Chewy did zero damage, which feels bad, ban, But uh, that's that's the breaks. Um, that's always a struggle when you ever do melee with Imperial is they have the chance to just save everything. Um yeah, but Wookiee shooting's is really good, range 2 limits them a little bit and that's another big reason you take Chewbacca cuz that range 3 bowcaster. That's his biggest advantage is the fact that he has range 3 and guardian to shift wounds around.
1: Yeah, I got to right. I got to say like uh after seeing Han and Wookiee's and and fleets in play for some time now, the difference between range 2 and 3 is huge. Like it's, it's really big.
0: Yeah. It's just one range band, but if what a range band, <laughs> like, <laughs> it really and truly is. It's the difference between like, Oh, I took one suppression. So now I don't get to shoot anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's been a few times where
1: I've like kited fleet troopers with, with stormtroopers because yep. they just like, I'll like back up, shoot them. They get a suppression and I'll, be able to get like two on them and they just like, won't be able to like move and shoot the next
0: turn. Um It's really good. Soon though, the officer is coming and those days will be behind us. Yeah. Great. We'll return to our former, our former glory. And we'll be, <laughs> we'll be back to roll. We'll, we'll be back to roll 12 dice at you and score five critical hits. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'm, I'm, Yay, I'm yeah, looking yeah. forward to it a lot. It's going to be great. And until then, all oh, fleet troopers are garbage. Terrible. Never take those. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy running fleet troopers. Yeah, I know. So clearly, they're awful. I don't think yeah. they are bad. But...
2: No, I love fleet troopers. No,
0: they're amazing. In all especially, seriousness, fleet troopers are great.
2: Especially, like you said, if you're running Chewie, because he can keep them at full
0: strength. Oh yeah. You know what I love Chewie for too. I love him to. I love him because he lets me live with my trooper squads if I get flamed. That's one of his biggest advantages. Is like, oh, you you rolled seven hits at me. Let me just take three of these over here on Chewy. Oh, I have a dodge. Oh, I rolled I rolled two blocks. Oh, I lived. Hey, and now your now your snow unit that tried to flame me is dead because it got into it got really close to my whole army. You know, so it's pretty sweet when you get that done. Palpatine, of course, it's riskier, sort of but if it's just like Boba Veers, you know, if they nerf that one flame shot or can like tank that one flame shot, those snows are in trouble.
2: Yeah, and obviously, you know. So each each uh, faction now has a Guardian unit available, right? You've got IRG and Chewie. Um, the downside with Chewie with Guardian is that you're almost certainly downgrading your save unless you're guarding a unit of Wookiees for some reason. Um, so Chewie's, you know, whatever hits that you pass to Chewie, he's probably going to take those as wounds. Whereas, like with IRG, you're, in some cases, like if you're doing it for scouts, you're upgrading your save. Um, or at worst, you're usually keeping it the same. But um, Chewie does have a big health pool, which means that he's like functionally immune to Pierce because his save is basically irrelevant. So he's great for like
0: sniper hits and stuff like that. I, I, I agree with you in principle. However, in reality, the times you get that 6-up save really do make a difference, those rare occurrences. And that was true in X-Wing as well, with a, with a 10 health ship with one agility dice same is true here for chewy i think that that one extra save just pushes him over that line a little bit further yeah plus I mean, stems for 11 wounds
1: rebels get lucky you know it's a thing that can exactly. happen yeah
2: oh yeah don't get me wrong it's better than having no save at all <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah that's but, true but if, like, if you're no, gonna soak no up attack
0: though like put it on chewy yeah right probably yep. wasn't gonna save it anyway
2: exactly and he's like, you know, his 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 defensive costing is tied up in his health generally. So, like, if if you've got a sniper wound that Han gets shot by, uh, that one wound, which is going to be a wound one way or the other, means a lot less to Chewie than it does to Han. So,
0: my build with Chewie nowadays is tenacity stims. and I know it's 120, 122 points, I think, because stems tenacity is twelve but it's still really good. So um,
1: let's say that we're in a situation like that and we've got a sniper team shooting Han and you've got Chewie standing next to them. Um, Han's, let's for the sake of argument, say that Han's not in cover. Uh, And
2: they roll a hit and a crit. Do you Guardian? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I think you definitely Guardian the hit. Really?
1: Even even though they're gonna pierce the one on Han and not the one on Chewie.
2: Yeah, because you could conceivably, you know, obviously, like if you take both of them on Han, you've got to roll two saves, and statistically, you're probably gonna fail one of those, which means Han's taking two wounds in that situation instead of one.
1: Sure, but aren't you like pretty statistically more likely to say like only take the the
0: Han wound overall if you just take both on Chewy, on Han at that point? you've got a better than a coin flips chance to get the one save on the rollout of two, right. For Han. Yeah. And you either reroll the one or you have a third chance to save the second one, or you just take it on Chewy where you have a one in six. That's interesting.
1: I I'd like to see the math on it. I guess I, I think it's an interesting scenario at
0: least. I guess the, I guess one of the big, big issues is that, you know, the aftermath. Cause like, a Han with four wounds is probably less valuable than a Han with five wounds remaining. I mean, I mean, it's definitely less valuable. Yeah. So like, do you even, do you even risk it? Do you even risk failing? Do you just take it on Shui and say, that's what Chui is there for? That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, Yeah.
1: That's fair. I think that's why,
0: that's why our intuition said what we said, right? Or because I think we, (laughs) We both kind of we had this knee jerk answer, which is, oh yeah, take that second one because there's a strong chance you'll fail, one, you'll fail one at least. Yeah, That's I mean, idea.
2: like you, I will say, you know, now having played Chewie, you do have to be careful about not, like, getting overzealous about the Guardian. Definitely. Um, like, I definitely lost the game because I took too many Guardian hits on Chewie and it came down to points, and Chewie ended up dying on the last activation of the game. Um, so it's. You know, it. Uh, you you have to balance it. Like y- you want to take you want to take the pierce hits and the sniper hits from Han, and you want to protect like important units like fleets. But you know, if a nearby Rebel trooper squad has taken like a couple DLT hits, um, maybe you want to just let them like try and make those saves, depending on what Chewie's health is looking like.
0: Yeah, that's honestly the reason in my Wonder Twins list why I'm vacillating between taking a scatter fleet and another and a fifth Z6 squad. Because then I don't have the temptation to guardian off of my Z Six troopers, because I only have four of them. If I had a fifth one, I'd feel less tempted to guardian, and I'd probably save Chewie's wounds a lot more frequently. Or you could just choose not to guardian them. But but it's Chewie; he he has to. <laughs> or you can. It's just... also that Z Six units are valuable as hell. That's another thing. Yeah, at least in that style of list, like having those Z Sixes is extremely valuable. That's certainly true. I mean, cover penetration at range 3 is pretty dope. And both Z6s and Commandos can do it. They just do it in different ways.
2: So, um, unless you've been running Chewie with uh, Luke and Leia, basically Wonder Twins plus Chewie, right? Oh, yeah. It's the I'm best a...
0: experience I've had so far.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sort of actually excited to try that. I haven't done it yet. My, like, quote-unquote standard list is essentially that same thing but with Wookiees instead of Chewy. Yeah. Um but you know, that hundred and fourteen point chunk is kinda of like the most fungible part of that list in my opinion. Um so I may have to uh I may have to do a little bit more Chewy. I've only used Chewy with Han. So yeah.
0: I'll I'll share I'll share a little bit about what so I played like three games with Wookiees instead of Chewy and I came to a couple of conclusions. Uh, one is that people shoot sh- shoot Wookiees a lot more readily than they shoot Chewie for whatever reason, and that's probably because of the, r- the risk you have to take with Wookiees getting them closer to your opponent's army. Chewie can kind of just hang back a little bit and use his range. It's also more likely they can see him. them. But that's also true. It's also more likely they can see the Wookiees as well. Um, but I found that like for the points, the Wookiees weren't doing, it felt like, enough to me. Just to have the one squad, because um, people were very keen to shoot them first, and to just they basically said that you only got a T-shirt save if I leverage my range and put the damage on you very early, then I can just melt you down. Sort of like how they weaken fleets if you don't have good places to hide them. They have the same issue even with twelve health. Like they just it just takes them twice as long to melt like a fleet squad would melt, which wasn't very long to begin with, <laughs> you know, okay, so this melts in two seconds instead of one second. It's Sure, it's double the melting time, but it's still two seconds, right? So uh, so I played three games with Wookiees in that slot, and I really didn't like what they did. And then I've played now, I've played three games with Chewie in that slot, and it's just so much more smooth to play. It synergized with the rest of the list. If they try to shoot Luke early, Chewie can just soak it for him, so you don't even have to risk taking a failed save on Luke for no good reason. Um, Chewie's a melee threat alongside Luke as well. But I guess it depends on how you have to play him. Like That's his biggest downside, is that he doesn't play up. And so against Boba, you don't have that second melee threat to make Boba debate on where he wants to put his whipcord. And I guess it's going to really depend on what you think you'll face more in the future. But I've definitely had better luck lately with Chewie, mainly because I've been fighting other Rebels and uh, non-Boba Imperial lists, like Vader and Palpatine. In in my area, Boba is almost non-existent right now. It's all Palpatine or Vader. It's crazy. If you're playing imps. Yeah, I don't know why. Oh. But that's just... People like played Boba for like a week, and they're like, oh my god, he just dies so quickly to everything. <laughs> no, he doesn't.
2: I <laughs> know, not, no, he doesn't. If, but
0: not if you use him right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not if you use him right. But they, they kind of just like I, I don't know. They, they were turned off by the low health pool. I think. Interesting. Palpatine's got a low health yeah. pool too. He does, but he's uh, immune to Pierce like flatly. Yeah. I don't know. But their Boba Fett's kept getting sniped. <laughs> is what happened. You honestly. can, you can
2: also give Palpatine a steam leader. Yeah, and that's he's also Usually true. got IRG nearby somewhere. You can yeah. give
1: Boba Fett, Imperial Royal Guard. Same dig, Damn man. All...
2: Well, and that's... The only... You know, Garn's been really successful doing that, so...
1: I think it's I mean, a that's thing. a viable thing
2: to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yeah it is a thing. So, so what command cards have you been running in the Luke Leia Chewbacca list? I was, I was just about to say that. So, like, the, the issues I've been having is that I haven't nailed down the command cards yet. Um, my biggest issue with taking... Common cause is that it tries to crowd out Bombard, and right now Bombard's stock is through the ceiling with how many snipers are out there. Um, You almost never want to get rid of Bombard. It's one of Leia's best cards. I mean, basically, Bombard in some situations could read start the game by dealing four wounds to your opponent. Like, that's amazing, right? Like, suddenly... I I think about this tournament I played this weekend. In two games, my first Bombard did four wounds, and my second one did five, just off the top and that's a massive lead already. And you've also de- you're also dealing a ton of suppressions. And in my second game, my opponent didn't have Leia, so he had no inspire source at all. So all of those suppressions stuck. I mean, I don't think any of them got rallied, so already like bombard was so hugely effective. So but that's just because of what I was facing. So I'm curious about this cuz I think bombardment's stock is going down.
1: It is. Um Every time I play against it, I am less impressed with it. In that it it generally takes maybe a Stormtrooper or two off the board unless they get really lucky.
0: Yeah, against Empire is where it gets more questionable. Um, if your opponent deploys his snipers in places where you can bombard them, by all means do so. Uh, even if you don't outright kill the unit... They're limited to one guy, and your snipers will have an easier time killing that one guy. Well, the other thing though is that
1: the, with the introduction of guardian units, the the chance that your bombard actually does something is significantly lowered. I think because uh, what oh, I what agree. I what I to generally try and do is make sure that my snipers are in
0: range of my royal guard on turn one, <laughs> so that well, well, that's the strength of guardian, yeah, unit. for sure, for like, sure, no doubt. He, to make sure it doesn't hit its intended target, um,
2: and especially like with guard, where you're actually upgrading the save in the process. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, Bombard is definitely better, where you're not hitting a red die unit, and you know when Veer's triple bikes was a thing, um, that was all usually possible because bikes are difficult to hide and they have white die saves. But um, yeah, if you're facing Empire snipers, are your best targets, and they're much easier to hide. And like you said, you can guard him with IRG. So.
0: Yeah, I was hoping to have an article done about this very thing about what command cards to choose, but I'll just I'll just give it I'll give it voice now. Um, so so bombard you know I take bombard over common cause, but there is definitely something to be said about command card access to Luke in any Luke list, and common cause has it, but is substantially weaker in some cases than bombard, uh, brains and brawn, which is the two pip. Does not have it, but is hellaciously strong if you can get it to work, like with an aim token and everything. Like with an aim on. People don't know what Brains and Brawn is. Brains and Brawn lets you add one of Chewie's weapons to Leia's ranged attack. And so that makes it like this big super shot that's stronger than Palp Lightning once with Pierce 2 and Sharpshooter 2. Like it's kind of just off the hook crazy with how strong this attack is. It'll generate four to six hits with an aim token usually unless you're super unlucky but uh that can delete a squad if played correctly but the struggle of course is that you don't get to put a command on Luke that turn the turn that you play it so that's another reason no time is possibly better because I don't think you I don't think you'd ever get rid of my ally because my ally is just strong it's like I'm gonna save 15 points by playing a command card <laughs> and not having to put reflexes on Luke
2: yeah i mean it, but, uh, sorry go on well it just in my opinion like no time for sorrows does something sort of qualitatively different from a lo- what a lot of other command cards can do whereas you know um brains and brawn just it's it's a delete a unit card which is obviously great but like you said it's not like a guarantee that you'll be able to set it up just because leia is you know you don't necessarily want her like up in someone's grill um so it's a little bit yeah, hard. You want to use up. it
0: against those units that come to you like snowtroopers.
2: Yeah. It's great against snows, No question. I love um, it.
0: I love it. Like you can, you can like, I actually did it in my game against talk play where my brains and brawn terrain scoped a flame trooper out of a, <laughs> out of a, out of a list because I couldn't see the final guy in the unit, but I could see everybody else. And I did, um, out of a five man squad, I did four wounds, but I couldn't see the guy in the very, very back so the flametrooper died a wound early. <laughs> so that was kind of cute, just being able to get that done with Leia. Facepalm um, moments. Yeah, just facepalm moments. <laughs> but it was still really fun. And uh, But again, I actually lost Luke later in that turn specifically because I didn't have command card access on Luke. And that was my error, uh, considering in that turn what I could have done is played my ally instead and then jumped Luke over the wall to kill those same... Snowtroopers and uh, save brains for a later turn, maybe against Boba Fett, where it might have actually killed Boba Fett in one shot if his save failed him, which is pretty cool. Do you run uh, improvised orders if you do that command card setup? Actually, actually, I don't, believe it or not, because the list is so mono, mo, I call it like monoform or monochrome. Forgive me, I've been watching do Space Nine. And the changelings talk about monoforms. And so you have a list that are monoform, like six core three snipers. That's a very monoform list where you don't have a, a high diversity of unit types. So the, li- the list is just very monoform. And I almost always have command card access to my heroes. And uh, I hardly ever need to actually improv in a list like that because the snipers generally want to go as soon as possible just to get the suppressions down or to shoot something before it can get get away and then the core units, it's like, okay, well, I'll just pick the correct order of core units to activate. Well, you're, you're talking about but definitely taking improv specifically for the Brains
2: and
1: Brawn turn, right?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it, with that command card setup, it, it would be for the Brains and Brawn turn, your um, Coordinate and Bombard turn, and then your uh, Son of Skywalker turn, potentially.
0: Um, generally, I have safe places to put these units. I just try to solve those issues in turn zero
2: yeah i mean i don't think it's I try to i think it's an open
0: question whether it be useful that's why that's why i asked yeah that's why that's what i do i just try to solve those issues in turn zero so i don't get punished for activating too early you mean by like making like unforced errors yeah sort of <laughs> <laughs> yeah like not activating luke when he's in the open and not guardianing him because he's getting crit by everything in the world nice and then having him fail five out of six saves and die. Oh, we're going down salt road. A little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so just because um, we've talked a lot about Chewie, but not necessarily a lot about Wookiees. Um, if I may counterpoint to the Wookiee versus Chewie <laughs> debate, um, I, I will say that um, you know there's, there's like two key ways that Wookiees are potentially better than Chewie. One is they straight up have more health for the same cost, but they also do more damage at range too. Um, so they're meatier in that sense. Uh, like you said, they do tend to get focused earlier for that reason. But um, I find that like if they can survive, if you can keep them hidden or you know in a relatively safe location to the late game, like turn four, five, six, um, they can be a really tough unit to deal with once some minis are off the table. Like twelve twelve uh twelve furry health with um you know eight black dye in melee or that strong ranged attack uh late in the game is pretty significant.
0: Yeah, I like the Wookiees a lot. They just they just melt. That's my issue with them. Just by the where they have to go. And like if you if you go too early with them and, and your enemy focuses fire on them, they can't just get, get destroyed early. I mean, I even I played against I played that Chewy list against a, a Wookiee skew list in that same tournament. My opponent had three Wookies, and um, we were playing recover. And a lot of the time, what would happen was the Wookies ended up going early, and they walked out into the middle of the board, and they got destroyed by everything. And that happened to two squads. The third squad got in on the flank, but then my Chewie countercharged them and killed two Wookiees in one swing. And then like Rebel Troopers punching and melee finished them off just because he couldn't get an order to these guys that had pushed up so far. So, you know, I think there's plenty of advantages to using Wookiees. I just think that I just think they need something to defray the incoming damage. Hmm. Because they have to, by their nature, they have to be in your opponent's face to get the most use out of them. It's almost like they work really well with Chewbacca. Yeah, almost.
2: Almost. I do feel like they compete for the same slot, though, from a points perspective. No doubt.
0: doubt. Han Chewie Wookiees is probably something to look into, just because Chewie can take the wounds the Wookiees would otherwise be taking, so the Wookiees don't lose effectiveness.
1: I sort of uh, find that like Luke Chewie instead of Luke Leia is an interesting um, setup to me, and in, in that you're only paying an extra like thirty points for Chewbacca over Leia. I don't, I don't know if it's.
0: I mean, it's probably better in some situations, but we also haven't talked about Chewie's higher potential anti-vehicle damage because of the surge crit coupled with impact one and his bowcaster range three. That's also something that's worth mentioning just in terms of what you're paying for over the Wookiees. Like the Wookiees have the same thing, but they don't have surge crit and they're spending more of their time moving. So you're just praying that you get crits naturally, whereas Chewie has like this elevated crit chance and a higher likelihood of having an aim token on him. So that's just this is one like minor yet important aspect of why you would choose Chewie over Wookiees.
2: Yeah, and range is definitely king when it comes to anti armor. 100 so percent Getting his full dice at range three is is a, no small thing.
0: Yeah, Wookiees share a range band with grenade ATSTs. So Yeah, it's not a good to me. There's a big difference no.
1: between range two and three.
0: Yep. Very big difference. What a ra- what a range That's band. Range. <laughs> Such a range band. Such a range band.
2: Sweet yeah well we talked about a lot of stuff today
0: yeah we did it was a it was was a wide wide ranging yeah we talked a lot about our furry friends we talked a lot about uh defenders advantage and maps and picking objectives and turn zero and palpatine and lots of cool stuff sick
2: so um we will have some special not one but but two special guests next week uh, yeah a little bit of a little bit of a tease that's a that's a showbiz thing right
0: yeah you can
2: tease it well i just did
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well there you go i was oh, waiting boy, man i was waiting right, right. <laughs> uh, a man who is free and a very uh a very uh interesting person steeped in etiquette and speaking okay all right Good job, guys. I think this was a good episode. Let's end on
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, let's end on that note. (laughs) Sweet. Well, uh, thank you all for listening today. I'm Dash. I'm Arcomenis. And I'm Endless. Have a good one, guys. Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This
2: has been a Fifth Trooper production.